In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. eyes on Jesus and you will find in him power and love. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 14. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. He counted the seconds from the thunder boom. One, two, three, and crack! A bolt of lightning sliced through the black sky. I'm afraid, cried the little boy, bolting into his parents' bedroom. I'm afraid, she admitted as she stepped back from her parents' hug and glanced over her shoulder at the college dormitory, first time away from home. I'm afraid, he whispered, as a cancer patient heading into surgery. Fear can be paralyzing. It's so powerful that it can drive some people once in a while into behaviors they know are wrong and only later are sorry about. The accountant was afraid of losing her job, so she badmouthed everybody else around in order to advance herself. The husband was afraid of losing his wife, but he ruined the marriage by trying to manipulate love and attention from her. The young woman was afraid of losing her boyfriend, so she gave in to his pressure for intimate relations and lost her self-respect and her reputation. Big fears 
little fears. We all have them. The question is, what are we going to do about our fears? But here's a better question. Instead of asking, what are we going to do about our fears, let's ask, what can God do about our fears? The answer comes to us from today's gospel account, which you heard read from the lectern. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. This ever happened to you? You get caught up and worried and afraid of something and you shoot prayers to the heavens, but you're thinking God probably won't answer. A crowd of well over 5,000 people had been fed by Jesus, but he didn't order out or call on a catering service. He miraculously multiplied five little loaves of bread and two fish. The crowd came to the conclusion, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And they were right. The ancient Bible writers predicted that a great prophet would come. But they were also wrong when they assumed that this predicted prophet would be a political messiah who would fill their stomachs and give them an easy life. They planned to crown him king to replace Herod or Pilate or Caesar or any other ruler who made their life hard. As the groundswell gained momentum, Jesus took swift and decisive action. He knew that this unholy pressure would be a temptation for his disciples. They, too, were at this time a little fuzzy about his mission. He knew that there was more danger for the disciples with this gaining favor from the crowd for him as a political king than there would be danger of a storm on the sea. And so, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. They were They were probably disappointed that Jesus didn't let the crowd press a crown onto his head. But they needed to learn that he already was a king in a completely higher level than they ever imagined or dreamed. And that he indeed would have a completely different crown pressed on his head one day. The account goes on. Then he dismissed the crowd. I, I don't want to zip over this little phrase too quickly. He dismissed the crowd. That's a significant move by Jesus. Not only was it necessary for his disciples and for this crowd that they be dismissed before they took any drastic or hasty action, but he also knew that their plan could be used by the devil to tempt him. Their plan was a perfect match for for Satan's offer to Jesus two years earlier at the beginning of his ministry. Be an earthly king, Jesus. Why suffer? Snap your fabuloso fingers and just take over. Of course, you know that Jesus slapped that temptation aside, but the devil doesn't give up so easily. Jesus needed strength for the constant barrage of attacks and temptations Satan would bring during his whole ministry which included, by the way, the devil working through this crowd and their pleas, please be our king. He needed peace and quiet. 
So after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Alone. Alone to bolster his heart because the devil would bring these, this constant dripping, this constant dangling of the bauble of take the easy way out in front of Jesus' eyes, trying to distract him from the bloody path to Calvary's cross, which was coming in just a year. But while he's alone on this mountain praying, do you think that he was praying only about his stuff and himself? I don't think so. I think he was also praying for the crowd who were more impressed by the miracle of free food than his message of free forgiveness. And don't you think he was also praying for his disciples who would soon be facing a storm on the sea which wasn't as bad as the storm churning in their hearts? That he was missing out on this opportunity of the day to be an earthly king. And by the way, what do you think the disciples had on their hearts and minds? What prayer thoughts were on their minds and on their lips when they were stepping into the boat? What do you think they might have been praying? Dear Lord, please send a terrible storm to scare the bejeebers out of us. You think? No, I don't think they were praying that. But maybe if they had prayer thoughts on their mind, on their lips, they were praying for safe passage across the sea. Maybe praying that Jesus would quickly zip down from his quiet time on the mountain, come dashing down the deck and jump onto the boat with them. Whatever their prayer thoughts may have been, Jesus answered their prayers in a way that went beyond what they expected or dreamed or imagined. And this is a significant thought for us in this little part of the story, the account we're looking at today. Significant for us. Because at the slightest threat to our security, what happens? We, we become afraid. And in the blink of an eye, we can slip, goof up, and sin, irritating God and irritating the people who care about us, around us. And then we start to wonder, can God really forgive me? And if he's having trouble with that, is he ever going to answer my prayers? Jesus assures us that he hears and answers every prayer. Right here in this account, he answers our prayers in the way that is always best for us in ways we could hardly imagine. So when we are afraid and when we don't know where to turn, Jesus calms our fears as he answers our prayers. You got it so far? Looking with me yet, right? Isn't this great? Jesus listens. He hears our prayers. But now, okay, he listens to us. But is he always near to actually help? Doesn't it seem sometimes that he's far away? Can you picture the storm waves slapping up against this boat, rocking it up and down, side to side? Can you feel the splash of the water? Do you feel the icy grip of despair in these disciples' hearts? And these are experienced fishermen. They had been on this lake before. During a storm, Jesus was with them that time. But now... In the darkness and in his absence, fear factor ratcheted up. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, 
the fourth watch of the night. This is, this is in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. They're in the middle of this big lake about three miles from shore. They'd already been rowing for, for what? For nine hours? In the darkness, in the danger of drowning, in complete exhaustion, the little tingles of suspicion and, and superstitious fear were growing in their hearts. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But, but immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And just like that, a 180 degree flip from fear to faith, from trembling to trust. But don't expect spectacular miracles when you want the Lord to be near and to do something about your fears. He never promised that he's going to come to us through blow-us-away miracles, but he does promise that he's going to come to us through the gentle whisper of his word. He never promised that he would rid our life of all the troubles and storms in life, but he did promise that wherever and whenever we exist and whatever we experience, he would be present and come to us with his words. He said to these disciples, did you catch it? He said, it is I. It's a little hard to pick up when you look at it in the English language, but it actually is a phrase that matches what the Lord God had said to Moses at the flaming shrub, I am who I am. The Lord's loving and protecting and providing nature never changes. He's always the same. When we have our fears, the Lord Jesus calms our fears, always being there with his words of comfort and promise and love. So you're still tracking along, right? Jesus hears, he listens, he is always there for us, good to know. But I don't know about you, still, I'm aware of that. He listens, he's there. But I still have doubts. Every once in a while, do you? Once in a while, doubts come up. Could that be because we're focusing more on the troubles around us and maybe looking inside of ourselves instead of concentrating and focusing on Jesus? I don't mind if polyurethane flip-flops get wet when I'm walking on the beach. They're just flip-flops. But if I have a nice pair of leather sandals, I don't want to get them wet. Who wants to slosh around in soggy leather sandals? Blech. Peter wasn't worried about that. He didn't care about his leather sandals. He wouldn't care about anything. He wasn't worried about anything when he focused on Jesus. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Uh, don't expect that if you're a believer in Jesus, you can walk across Lake Michigan. But you can expect that if you fall into sin, if you get stuck in some sinful addiction, if a guilt load seems crazy glued to your back, you don't need to look in yourself and at your own insides or even at the troubles around you for strength. Look outside yourself. And focus on Jesus. Because he knows what to do and what to say. He knows that he needs to identify for us our sin and tell us the truth about that. And he does. But then he tells us the truth about the greatest help we could ever get 
His complete and full mercy and forgiveness. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Peter had risen from fear to faith, and now he's back down again in fear. Have you ridden that wave? I bet you have. I know I have. Oh, we're doing great. You come to a worship service like this, even though we're masked, singing through the masks, or we're watching online, and you get all juiced up. Yes, the Lord God is my Savior. He loves me. You walk out those doors. You're done with the online service. You go, yeah, I got the courage to live for God. And then Monday comes and down you go. Looking more at the troubles and the storms of life all around. Jesus knows the pattern in us. He saw the pattern in Peter and he knew what to do. He pulled him out, proving his care. And he sees and knows the pattern in us. He knows what to do. He proves his care. And the best proof of his care for you and me? Blood dripping from his head, his hand, his side, and his feet to guarantee that he gave his life so we would have life forever. Fear can be a powerful motivator. It drove Adam and Eve to try to hide from God like you can hide from God. It caused Elijah to run away from his responsibilities. It put a noose around Judas' neck. Do you think Satan would like to use your fears to drive you away from the Lord? You better believe it. And when that happens, when he does, when you can feel Satan trying to use your fears against you and push you from the Lord, and run to your Bible, grab it, Look up and read all the fear not, do not be afraid passages. There's tons of them in the Bible like this gospel account. And they're there for a reason. Because Jesus really wants to calm our fears. Then get back in the boat with Peter and join those other disciples and worship him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.